who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hey, this is Louis Vega from Masters at Work. New Eureka Soul and Elements of Life represent Vega Records. You're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the Rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. Check it out. This is our last episode of 2018. It's been a great year for Rebel Radio. Uh, Looks like we picked up a lot of new listeners, hopefully kept some of our old listeners. We recorded shows uh, live on location out in Cannes at the Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity in France, um, at the Collision Conference in New Orleans, at the LA Times Festival of Books News Story. Uh, Lots of great accomplishments this year for Rebel Radio. If you guys have been sticking with us, we hope you've been enjoying it. Um, And what a great show I have for you as our final show of the year. The one and only Louis Vega. If you don't know Louis, I don't know where you've been. He's uh, one of the godfathers of house music, a pioneer of Latin house. He's a Grammy winner. He's got a long string of number one records all over the world both uh, on his own and with Masters at Work. And my interview is really a masterclass. Louis teaching me on work ethic, attention to detail, um, how to make partnerships work. He's got a you know multi-decade partnership with Kenny Dope in Masters at Work. And he also has a partnership with his wife who's signed to his label. She's an artist and got her own label. And this man does, does a lot. He um, has some great stories to share. And we get into some really great music throughout the episode as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Let's get into it right after our EDM.com track of the week. When you're not really there 
edm.com track of the week that was O Seal with Pretty Liar if you like that one get over to edm.com for more new music and now let's get into the interview with Louis Vega well thanks for doing this man I'm excited You're to welcome. talk to you and, and uh, when I started this show it's been three and a half years you were one of the people on my list from the beginning oh, that nice. I wanted to talk to so happy to I'm be excited. here um, I want to, I don't know, you have so much going on, man, that it's, uh, we're not going to get to all of it because we, we okay. could spend the whole time just giving you a resume. <laughs> but, um, I always like to kind of start back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I know you grew up, you know, with music from day one. Do you remember the first record you ever bought for yourself? Man, it could have been something like, um, Melting Pot, Booker uh-huh. T and the MGs. That right. era, you know, I was yeah. really young, uh, early days of, uh, I remember buying as a 45, Love to Love You Baby. Oh, nice. Uh, um, uh, Donna Summers. Yeah, I definitely remember that. Um, but, you know, I used to buy even before, I mean, pop music. I, I mean, I grew up with, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire and, you know, Elton John, yeah. Stevie Wonder, yeah. Jose Feliciano, you know, Quincy Jones and all that. And, and uh, you know, and I used to buy small 45s, but... um you know, the family, it's music, you know, mm-hmm. my father is a tenor sax player mm-hmm. and he's been playing since like the fifties. So, um, he was always playing a lot of John Coltrane and, and, uh, Miles Davis yeah. in the house. And, and then you had, uh, my, my mom who had a famous, uh, brother, uh, who was a singer, uh, the, the one it has to be, he's the greatest singer of salsa music mm. is, uh, Hector Lavoe. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that was in the family, you know, having the funny all-stars and being in those environments as a child, Crazy. you know, w- was really a beautiful experience. I'm sure. And then my sisters being disco queens, you know, uh-huh. they're the ones that went to the, to the loft, even as, as early as 71, wow. one, of, one of my sisters, and yeah. so, you know, David Mancuso, big fans of David Mancuso and his music, and they yeah. used to go to his parties, get-togethers and parties. And, um, and from there, you know, the, the gallery with the, uh, Nicky Ciano and mm-hmm. and then the Paradise Garage and mm-hmm. and the Zanzibar with Tony Humphrey. So you had Larry Levan, you had all this, you know, all this music that my sisters used to bring home on cassettes that, you know, I was, um, cool. you know, I, I found it really, like, I loved it because it wasn't music I heard on the radio, but it was this cool music. It was, uh, it was like, it had a disco feel, but it was fusion. It was different, mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It had culture in it. I mean, you know, you know, when you hear records like, uh, oh goodness, uh, you know, the, the West End records mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, Prelude, some of that was on the radio, actually right. a lot of that, but there were also records by Arthur Russell, you know, when you hear uh, Dinosaur L, uh, Go Bang, and yeah. and, and um, records like that, that, um, you know, Powerline by uh, Double Journey. Thank you. 
Carl Iron, one of the two. <laughs> but, um, you know, Dancing in Outer Space, you yeah. know, uh, by Atmosphere. I mean, these were records that were made by uh, bands um, in the UK as well as uh, in, in New York. You know what I mean? It was this underground scene, and, and that's what I was intrigued by. You know, it's funny. We think of disco now as like Saturday Night Fever, you know, big mm -hmm. mainstream pop records of a certain, of that era, you know. There's a story about the the night in, in Detroit, the night disco died, right? Like, there's all this stuff, but it's all very mainstream. But then mm -hmm. once you dig in, there's so much, like, underground. Well, music. Chicago, that's what Chicago, that that's right. In Chicago, that baseball stadium, that. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there was, there was this underground sound that was coming from uh, a lot of artists that made records that were a little more avant-garde. And, and that's the music that I loved. You yeah. know what I mean? When I, when I listened to... Uh, you know, um, even the early hip hop stuff, like uh, before it was hip hop, you know, when you had Cool Herc playing uh -huh. and uh, Africa Bambaataa and Jazzy J playing records like The Mexican by That's Babe right. Ruth and, yeah. you know, uh, Samande Bra, yep. you know, like all those big breakdance jams were also dancers' records mm -hmm. back at home, you know, you know, uh, David Mancuso breaking Soul Makosa. When I heard all those stories, I was like very, uh, very uh, intrigued by it. That was a record that came from Africa, from sure. Manu Dibango. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was always loving uh, when, um, I guess I didn't know at the time, but when, when, when the, there was an influence in culture in, 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 in there, you know, as well as, of course, jazz and, and, and blues and, and soul mm -hmm. and everything. I mean, when you have Booker T and the MGs with, with Melting Pot, you know, mm -hmm. um, I never knew that that record was, you know, it reached the masses, you know, but to us, it's like a dancer's record, right. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm very big on the um, uh, underground dance culture that comes from New York City, sure. you know, and I was a part of it since the early days. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting you talk about that, like, you know, I know there's those moments back then when, when the record gets into the club and it breaks that moment on the dance floor, whether it was 54 or... Mancuso or, or whoever, right? Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the uh, wonderful thing about that is that uh, with this music, you know, um, dance music, I guess, in general, um, you know, you, you're, you're together with a lot of people, right, in a club. You know, you go every week. Yeah. You go to this place every week and you're listening to this DJ who's taking you on these journeys and these trips. But those songs resonate inside of you and years later mm -hmm. you know you hear these songs and you're like wow that's when i was dancing at that club or mm -hmm. i was hanging out at that club with larry levan yeah. or that's when i was with tony humphreys for us in new york there were records that you know they made um they made those records sure you know so they would play these records and it would become kind of theirs and when you heard a song you knew that was a david mancuso record at the loft that was a larry levan record at the paradise garage that mm -hmm. was a tony humphreys record at zanzibar mm -hmm. you know and it took you back to that to that memory and and i think that's what we're doing now for people in europe i mean yeah. i have people that have been following me for 15 years yeah. even that their kids now are following me oh, that's cool. you know i mean because in europe it's different in europe you know they pass it down right you know what i'm saying they're teaching their kids about this music yeah. uh so it's really wonderful to feel that yeah. around the world but it all started, you know, for me back in New York and, and of course, you know, there's Chicago and Detroit, you know, yeah. all these, these three cities to me are the core of where a lot of this started, where, whether it's, you know, you know, and, and LA with disco, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Cause LA, I mean, you know, you had New York, Chicago, Detroit, Miami, 
and LA all making disco music with their musicians and their yeah. people. And even if you read credits on these records, you'll know where it comes from. You'll see TK Disco that was down from Florida. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You'll see, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, Prelude and, and Sal Soul, South Philly. Yeah. Uh, let me not forget Philly. Oh my sure. God. You know, so yeah, so it's New York, it's Philly, it's Chicago, it's Detroit, it's Miami. It's L.A. All these people are making music, great musicians. And that yeah. was back in the disco days. And then, you know, when you had house music being born, you know, you got Chicago. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? With Frankie Knuckles at the warehouse and Larry Hurd and, you know, um, Marshall Jefferson mm -hmm. and uh, Ten City and uh, Folly Jack Master Funk. I mean, I could, I could go on. You know what I mean? And uh, you had New York City with Larry LeVan, with uh, David Mancuso, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tony Humphreys right out in Jersey across the bridge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, New York was what, what New York, uh, what made New York special was that um, there were these um, geniuses that made sound systems. Right. You know, you had Richard Long, who's my favorite. You know, he made the sound system at the Paradise Garage. Mm -hmm. He made the sound system at Zanzibar. He made the system in like 20 clubs. So imagine having 20 Ministry of Sounds mm -hmm. in New York. Because Ministry of Sound is modeled right. by the Paradise Garage. You know, sure. they wanted to copy that at the Ministry of Sound. And when you see the shape of the room and everything, they kind of wanted to mm. have that, that, that right? spirit. Yeah, with the big sound systems and everything. They even brought Larry LeVan there in the beginning and Tony Humphreys. They all had, you know, they, they were there, you know, yeah. helping to shape that place in the very beginning with, with of course, uh, you know, Justin Berkman and, and, uh, and Burt Bevins, the other the DJs who okay. were playing there as well. They're the ones who, uh, and even Harvey. Mm -hmm. Harvey is a big part of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, New York had this special thing with sound systems. So it, w it was like, a, oh, Richard Long made the sound system at Zanzibar? And Tony Humphreys plays there? Mm. I want to hear that sound system. All of a sudden, then you fall in love with the DJ and his sounds, and you hear it on the most incredible sound systems you could hear. So, you know, um, in New York, it was... The it, sound was a very important part of it. And does that know? does that still play a role? What sounds? Well, for us it does. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wherever we go, I mean, you see, I mean, even in all these places. I mean, today we use you know L acoustics. I love mm -hmm. L acoustics. I love DMB sound. You know, that's what we use in in in, in the festivals and the clubs. Mm -hmm. That's on my mm -hmm. rider. I mean, you gotta have the arcs for me, man. Sure. If you see the arcs, you know. I mean, <laughs> we all use it. Uh, Luciano, Loco Dice. I mean, you know, yeah. the Martinez brothers. We love L acoustics and the yeah. ar the arcs. That it's a huge. These two two big stacks that are here, left and right. But when you're in a big festival with ten thousand people, you need to feel it as right. well. So that's yeah. why we, you know, we don't do it to deafen ourselves. We do mm -hmm. it because we want it to sound good too mm -hmm. for us, so that we can play well for everybody out there. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so I think that has carried on in a certain way, not the same way it did, you know, because these are designed uh, systems in New York. Yeah, you, you still have, you know, some of their um, people that have followed, like, let's say DJ Shorty, who does a place called Nowadays in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. and he has analog. That is a place that carries on the spirit of, you know, great sound in okay. a club and, and what places like the Paradise Garage and, and Zanzibar brought to you, you know what I mean? You still have some guys that, that specialize in that, you know, but uh, a lot of the, um, the the major companies now that we use, I mean, you know, it's it's all about L Acoustic on the road mm -hmm. and L Acoustics and, um, you know, uh, DMB, you know, those are my, my favorite choices. Mm -hmm. you know, well, you know, that, that that's it with pretty much with the, the, what I'm trying to say is that in all these cities, you know, there was an underground culture happening and that's how it started yeah. you know and then you know obviously there's some records that bubble up and can make it into the mainstream right. and 
boom, once those records made it out there, you know, this thing called house music, you know, uh, started spreading. Sure. And uh, once it hit England, that's when it really blew up. You know, when it hit England, we were on the pop charts. I mean, we had records like on, like you have your Billboard pop charts here, whatever, your Billboard charts. We was number one to 10 on the top of those charts. So the young kid, you know, who was 13, 14 was listening to this type of music. So, you know, I guess that was where it really kind of, you know, blew up beyond you know, uh, when it started getting in the England, on the England pop charts because all the other countries followed the, the, those charts. You guys might know I don't really care too much about having advertising on this show. I do it because, you know, I want to show brands that this culture is important and I love being able to show you guys about new products and services that I think are worthwhile. So I'm excited for that reason to welcome HoneyBook to the show. HoneyBook is an all-in-one business management tool for creative professionals. Um, if, you're, if you're in a creative business, there's a good chance that you, you do that because you want to be creative, not spending your time on proposals, on invoicing, looking over contracts. I know that stuff for me is, you know, it's part of the game. Of course we do it, but it's not why we're really here. So HoneyBook makes it easy to streamline your business. Um, There's client management tools, there's calendars, there's messaging, there's, uh, you can take care of all your proposals, contracts and invoices, makes you look good and professional without spending all your time. People are saving hundreds, even thousands of hours a year. And just for listening to Rebel Radio, you're going to get 50% off your first year if you use the promo code REBEL. Go to HoneyBook.com, use the promo code REBEL, and you'll get 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. That's HoneyBook.com, promo code REBEL. What was that for you? What was the first, like big break or, or the moment where you realize like this this is what I'm going to do for a life oh that happened a long time ago you know <laughs> when I went to the paradise garage I think it was when I was with my sisters you know I was only like 13 or four, 14 I was yeah. 14 and um I was too young to get in but I went on a members only night okay. so I used to have these nights where it was only the members so if you had a card a yeah. paradise garage members card you could get in nice. and my sisters you know had a cousin because they have sisters who was uh, a security guard there. Mm. So they're like, look, I want to bring my little brother. My little brother is a DJ and he wants to DJ and he loves this. And I think that he will really get inspired by seeing what's happening in here. And and this is my favorite place in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's my sister talking. So she brought me in with a neighbor of mine who was also a member. Okay. So I got in and once I got in, I heard these records. I was like, wow. I'll never forget, I heard Thousand Fingered Man by Candido. When You Touch Me by Tana Gardner. Mm. I heard uh, Street Player, mm-hmm. which is later on, you know, my partner sampled it for uh, the Bucketheads. Right. You know what I mean? That, that's, that, the, sure. that's from Chicago, you know. And we heard these songs played by this amazing DJ who made this sound system uh, sound, I mean, you know, this sound system was the best I ever heard. 
you know so that that's what made me say wow this is this is what i what i want to do so I really dedicated myself to going to clubs. I was mm-hmm. going to clubs and listening to a lot of DJs and doing mobile parties. And I mm-hmm. started pretty much like any other DJ, doing Sweet Sixteens and high school parties. That was of it. Course. I was assisting actually my friend who had a great uh, collection of disco music. Yeah. And I loved his collection. I was like, man, he had like 20 crates of all this great music. So, and then I said, you know, I started helping him out. And I said, you know what, can I borrow these turntables? And uh, you know, and a mixer, and let me pick two crates of stuff I like. Mm-hmm. And he said, sure. So I went through it, I picked two crates, and I walked it. I lived one block away, walked it over with a friend of mine with all the turntables and everything, set it up in my room, wow. and that was it. I started, yeah. you know, practicing. That's like late 70s, early wow. 80s, you know. You know, that's one of the things that strikes me about this culture is the generosity of people kind of helping each other out, that, like, there seems like, yeah, there's some competitiveness, but, but more so... People loaning each other records or equipment or, you know, putting you up on certain things that that you might not know about. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I could tell you some stories when I was really young and I was just this kid, you know, I wanted to do this. You know what I mean? So any opportunity I got and somebody said, hey, you want to hang out in the studio yeah. and just sit in the back right here? Yeah. I was like right here. And in front of me was like Arthur Baker or, 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 or Jellybean Benitez. Yeah. It was uh, Bruce Forrest. It was, I mean, it, it was, these were the guys who helped me out when I was young. You know, um, the Latin Rascals, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tony Moran, Albert mm-hmm. Cabrera. Um, they, you know, they would say, hey, sit in the back. You know, I would watch Jellybean. He'd be like producing, uh, you know, um, some major artists. I mean, oh, Louis, welcome me to the other room. I want to introduce somebody. It was like George Michael. It was oh, like wow. Whitney Houston. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. you know, it was like that. So, you know, uh, because I think, uh, you know, they were hearing about this young kid making noise from the Bronx. Yeah. Je- Jellybean was from the Bronx. Yeah. So it's like, oh, who's this other kid from the Bronx? He's making some noise out there. You know, he's playing at these clubs. He's, a lot of people following him. And uh, once he heard about me and we had met, he said, hey, why don't you come to the studio? And, if you want to just absorb and, and watch and listen, you know. And and a lot of my uh, friends were like that back in those days, you know. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. They, and, and it's exactly like that. It's like that today, too, in, yeah. in, in, in a lot of cases. I mean, you know, for me, you know, I embrace uh, the youth. And it's important, you know, to embrace the youth and to give them as, no, as much knowledge as I can give them. Are you, do you still see that, that type of hunger and... and uh you know, just that enthusiasm for for the culture with the young DJs and producers you meet? Well, you know, yeah, I find some. You know, they find you. They start going to your gigs. They start being around you. And then you could see I kind of fish it. You know, I'm fishing here. I'm saying, okay, well, does this kid really want to do it? Does he really have that energy? So how how do you find that? That ambition. You can tell. I can tell by talking to him, by the things he says, by him reaching out and saying, hey, you know, can I just, you know... uh, follow you to this gig or can you tell me a little about this they're asking me questions and, mm-hmm. you know and they're showing me music when mm-hmm. they're showing me music and I'm hearing this music and I'm like okay this music is, is bumping it's hot yeah. you know this kid is onto something and he's show, it, it, not just one track if he shows me two three four tracks and there you know there's something there you can hear that mm-hmm. and right away I know okay you know this is one that we can you know bring under the wing or yeah or let them you know we put out a record on vega records or whatever it is yeah. you know give them an opportunity yeah. so yeah they yeah, definitely that happens yeah but so, you know you have to you have to you have to feel that i mean you know it's not just like a manager coming up to you i like it better when the artist is sure. actually you know you know connecting with you mm-hmm. and 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 trying to give you what he has you know show you what he has and 
and you can hear it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 all in the music. You yeah. know, if if something's good, it's good. That's it. And yeah. I'm gonna go for it. I'm like, yo, that's hot. We gotta put it out on Vega Records. I did that with Mr. V when we did Just Dance uh -huh. and we did all those records. You know, we had a big run, and he was just, uh, you know, he was one of my friends and. He came to the club and he used to hang out a lot. Next thing you know, he became my light man mm -hmm. and he was doing my lights, mm -hmm. you know? And we were talking like, he says, Louis, man, I, I, I found a way of, I'm, I'm making records. I mean, I, I made a, a record, I made a song and um, I'm doing this thing, it's kind of like a spoken word, but it's rap, but it's not, I mean, I don't know what it is. I want you to hear it. And it was just dance and it was like a spoken word, but mm -hmm. it was deep about the dancers. Nobody knows, knows my mission in this music Only you can feel where I'm coming from Where I'm coming from, from, from Feel the music, feel your body Now dance, baby Dance, baby and I said, you know what, this record is hot. We did this, we did, I said, I gotta put this out. We put it out on Vega Records, it became a big hit, yeah. you know, and then we made a whole album, then Defected signed it, you know what I mean, and, you know, and overseas, and, and that, that's how things start, you know, but I, I've done that with uh, uh, many under our, our um, in our camp, yeah. that some are still even with us now today. Yeah. So thinking about that collaboration, um, obviously, you know, you and Kenny, you've been, partners for how many years now? Man, since 90, 90, 91. Yeah. Yeah. So what makes that partnership work? Why are you the right ones for each other? You know, it, it's crazy because we could not be together and okay, we do this gig, we're in front of like 20,000 people and it's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we, we spent a lot of, from 1990 to 2000, you're talking about we're in the studio 18 hours a day. Yeah. That's all we cared about was music. It was mm -hmm. music, making music, and you know, oh man, look at this beat, look at this, check out this keyboard riff. Yo, Kenny, oh man, look at this, this could be for that person. Oh, we just kept moving. We made so much music together, and um, you know, uh, in 2000, after we put out Our Time Is Coming, which had work on it, you mm -hmm. know, that was that big record with uh, Popa Nasty and Denise, mm -hmm. and um, we had some other records that were big in the clubs and all that. You know, we, we, we kind of wanted to do things that we had within us, you know, and uh, more uh, individual, our individuality, I guess, you know, wanted to come out and, you know, we wanted to start our labels. I wanted to do more of like having a band and and uh, I wanted to get into like world music, but still having a dance element to mm -hmm. it, you know, and, and jazz and all that. And um, Kenny wanted to do more like uh, taking an obscure album from an artist uh, who had a dope breakbeat in it, and he would take it and rehash the whole album and put it out, repackage it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and um, then he had his Dope Wax label, which he's had for many, many years. Right. So, you know, the thing is that Kenny and I came into the business as solo artists, and mm -hmm. we did our own thing. So we always had our things that we would do, but Masses at Work was the core. And then New Eureka and Soul after that. Sure. You know, so... Um, is that a good model? If you were, if you met a couple of young guys today, would you tell them, like, that's a good way to do it? Is each have your own thing and then come together? No, I think, uh, well, the thing is, first of all, a partnership. I mean, you know, trust is, is, is uh, a main thing. Loyalty yeah. and, and uh, being honest with each other. You know, and one thing with Kenny and I is that we've always been honest with each other. But when, but when we're making a record, if something doesn't work, 
if I didn't feel something he did or he didn't feel something I did, we, he would just say it. Yeah. But if one would be like really strong on it, they say, okay, well, let's give it a shot and see. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. When, when, I, when I did Hang Kang Kang with Kenny, we did a Masters at Work uh, remix to it. You know, it was a 1950s mambo record. Mm. So I had to, you know, make that into this house kind of thing that we were doing. We, we created this vibe and this, this uh, we didn't create house music. We created our version of house sure. music, yeah. the Masters at Work sound. <laughs> and, you know, when, uh, when we were doing this record, Kenny was like, what are, what are, what are you going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? <laughs> it's like a mambo record. I mean, man, what are we... I said, well, I have an idea. Let's just start with this idea I have. And he goes, okay. And, you know, that was it. So he mm -hmm. supported what I felt. Yeah. And we ended up making a big hit out of a Tito Puente mambo record. We had Tito Puente on house music with Mark Anthony doing the hook, which nobody even knows that Mark Anthony's doing that hook on there. Right. You know, but <clears throat> that was when he, you know, when we had the album deal with Atlantic Records. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, uh, Partnerships, man, they're, 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 it's really hard, you know, to keep a partnership for a very long time, you know. And the thing is, I think what helped is when we were able to spread our wings, you know, with what we had inside of us, we would still come back to each other, mm -hmm. you know. And um, now it's at a point where we're doing like, you know, maybe 15 or 20 shows a year. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, we do very special things and we're very, you know, uh, selective mm -hmm. on what we do. And we just make sure they're really wonderful shows. I mean, we played in Brazil with Jamiroquai and Stevie Wonder on the bill. Nice. We were in a Deck Montel, which is an amazing festival coming from Amsterdam. I mean, you know, we do some Glitterbox parties in Ibiza together mm -hmm. with them, with uh, with uh, Defected and Glitterbox. And, and um, you know, it, 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 it might be something huge in Italy, you know, or, or Africa, South Africa. We just came from there a few months ago. You know, so um, it depends. It depends on... on you know, we choose it together. Okay, this is the choices. Oh, we like this one. Let's look at, you know, yeah. I like what this one's about. You know, sometimes you have friends like, please do that festival. It's like, you know, it's the one to do, you know, so. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we, for us, it's it's even about, it's it's not even about, okay, making the biggest money. I mean, obviously we, you know, we're comfortable. But, um, sure. you know, um, if something really feels good and, and it might be something that's not where our normal you know, uh, conditions are, we may just do it, mm -hmm. you know, we may just play at a, you know, a Jamie Jones party, which we've done in, mm -hmm. in, in Ibiza at Circle or at a DC 10, yeah. you know, or we may do a, a stadium or, or we may do a small club that we really love, you know, but the, 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 the thing with us is that we have a very peculiar setup and it's very big. Mm. It's about the size of that whole thing, even bigger than that. Wow. So, uh, about like that, that console you have there. So um, we can't really do small, small clubs. Right, right, right. But um, when we do them, it's funny. I don't see him for months, yeah. and we're in the like backstage or the room, whatever it is, a dressing room. And Kenny's like, uh, "So how you want to start?" <laughs> we're just like that. So how you want to start? And I kind of like I already scope out the crowd. I'm like, okay, well, you know, this looks like a crowd that wants. You know, we made so much music, and it's very special when you make a lot of music that touch people. And you are the one that plays it. Right. You know, to see Masters at Work play To Be In Love, even hot, that record being 20, whatever you To be in love with you and everything. To be in love with you and everything. Every day is on the way. Every night is filled with fun and play. Every song you hear, my heart just gets a beat. I'm falling more in love with you. 
Master at work playing a New Yorkian soul record. I mean, it's a special thing. I mean, I remember when I used to go to, like, to see Larry Levan and mm -hmm. to hear him play a record that he made. When you hear him playing "Don't Make Me Wait" by the Peach Boys, or or one of the Grace Jones records that he worked on, or you know, or uh, Gwen Guthrie, you know, it's it's different. It's like wow, he makes it sound great. They make it sound the best. You know who told me that? Marcus White. He's like Louis. You know. When you play your records, you make it sound the best. I was like, really? I was like, okay. But I That's could cool. understand that. You know, it's like when you see the person who actually made the record playing it yeah. and feeling it and made the way he makes it sound, I think it's a special thing. So a lot of our fans, yeah, they want to hear some of that. Mm -hmm. And I can tell when there are a lot of Masses at Work fans. Or I can tell where there's just a lot of club heads, you right. know what I'm saying? And we got to hit it, you know, and do what we do. You know, but it's a lot of fun because we're kind of remixing records in front of your eyes. You know, you're hearing all these different versions. There's a lot playing at the same time. And, you know, uh, we communicate with each other like musicians do, mm -hmm. you know, just with looks. Yeah. You know, and, and it works. You know, so uh, doing the Masters at Work gigs are a lot of fun. I mean, we're going to record now. We already recorded about, I think, uh, let's see, maybe like 15 tracks or something like that, 15 or 18 tracks that we've done here oh, and there. Cool. Like if yeah. Renee Beza, let's go to the studio, we'll have some fun. You know, but uh, we had three EPs set up, but we didn't put them out yet because we just didn't feel the time was right. Sure. You know, but now we're, um, we're going to rehash a lot of our music because we had so many records that resonated with these kids in different generations. So mm -hmm. this younger generation wants to feel that, what was happening in the 90s. So we're going to rehash these records, beef them up, and put them out again, the ones we own on MAW Records, and, and we're going to put out some new music. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering how you see the, the, the crowd changing in the new generations, and I know you do, um, you know, I know you collaborate a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, so do you see an effect, like when you collaborate with a new artist, mm -hmm. or, you know, I know there was a Kanye sample in one of your records. Mm -hmm. Like, do you see the crowds changing? Based well, in, 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 in the clubs, of course, I see the crowds changing, you yeah. know, but, um, you know, the cool thing now is that in the underground, well, I don't even know if you want to call it underground anymore mm -hmm. because it's, it's, you know, it's all over the place. It's huge. Right. You know, it's huge. I mean, these DJs are playing to 10, 20, 30,000 people. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, for me, you know, uh, it's important to connect with, uh, you know the the new generation of djs and mm -hmm. the, the new young producers and um i like when they have a little bit of a connection with me as for, i'll give you a perfect example um uh do you know joseph capriati mm -hmm. okay joseph capriati who for me i'm kind of calling him the he's like a prince of techno you okay. know I mean? because he's just killing it around the world he's yeah. a great dj He's doing great things and he's playing all around. And, you know, Carl Cox has him under his wing. They do back-to-backs together. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, <clears throat> he plays with Jamie Jones. With I mean, everybody, you name it. I mean, he's doing his thing out there. And uh, so we started connecting in Ibiza. I had seen him and he says, wow, you know, you know, you know I love your music. I'm a big fan of yours. And, and my, the roots of my music is your music. Mm-hmm. And I said, where are you from? He says, yeah, I'm from Naples. I said, oh, no wonder. Because I've been going to Naples since 92. Wow. So I've been playing to generations of kids in Naples. Sure. And he was one of those 13 or 14-year-old kids yeah. looking at, you know, myself playing up there and doing my thing and, and, uh, and buying my music. Mm -hmm. He was playing a lot of Masters at Work music and, you know, Louis Vega and Kenny Dope music for, mm -hmm. for years. 
So I was like, wow, okay, wow, this is really nice that he's got. Let me go outside and see. And I went to go hear him, and I said, wow, this kid is killing it. You know, I like the way he's playing. You know, he has a techno drum. He has this, he plays techno, but in his way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he mixes, like, he'll mix, like, a soulful vocal or something on top of that techno and kind of tease them, then bring it back. Just what he does with it. It was very creative. And I said, wow, you know, I like the fact that, you know, he... He's putting his roots in 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 the sounds of techno, mm-hmm. and these kids are eating it up. It's great. So then he says, "Hey, um, you know, I'm doing an album. It's coming out next year, 2019." He says, "I'd love to, you know, for us to collaborate on a song for the album." And I said, "Oh, sure. Forget about it." When people heard about that, sure. first first of all, Naples. When they heard about it, they loved it I because bet. you know we both have a lot of fans in Naples and all that. But worldwide, especially, you know, you have. You know, you have some people that might be confused because, you know, you have the techno people that are more like techno, the house people that are more like house. and mm-hmm. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, But the way he projects and presents it to yeah. his people is really wonderful. And I was like, wow, you know, and we went in and did this, you know, we did a couple of tracks and one of the tracks is on his album. Mm. And we're really excited about it. And now, look, tomorrow I'm flying to New York and we did it last year and we're doing it this year where he comes to Cielo, which is my Wednesday night, and Roots NYC is my party. Mm-hmm. And um, he's coming to do a back-to-back set with me, all vinyl, for six hours. So that's very rare, because he's usually playing in some, you know, warehouse or output, let's say, you know, these clubs that hold, yeah. you know, uh, thousands of people and yeah. these huge events, and he's coming to little old Roots to that's do, cool. like, a vinyl set with me. You know what I mean? Sure. So. You know, that, that, that shows me, you know, and to me, you know, that really, uh, it makes me feel good that how the the youth are embracing, you know, their roots. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, another one of my friends are the Martinez brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we went in and did a track uh, that came out at the beginning of this year um, that sampled my uncle. You know, so we, we did this track, and, and my uncle Hector Lavoe, who's on Fania Records, you know, it became this track that had three generations. It had uh, my cool. uncle, myself, and yeah. the Martinez brothers. You know what I mean? Imagine these three whole yeah. different generations of, of, of things happening. And, of course, for the Martinez brothers, you know, our music is part of their roots as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, we went in and did, like, a couple of tracks, but we gelled so well that we have like an album's worth of material already. So we're like, we gotta do an album. So that's what we're doing now. We're doing this nice. album. We're gonna go in this winter and, and tweak what we have and, and do some more new ideas and uh, and, and come with, uh, put together a, a whole project. You know, so um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I see what they're doing. I'm very proud of them. Yeah. Martinez Brothers, you know, Joseph Capriati. I watched them, you know, in their world and doing what they do. And, and they're really, you know, they're really doing great things. So I, I think that, uh, you know, it's important, you know, for even myself to get introduced to their people mm-hmm. because they may mm-hmm. not know. Not everybody knows who we are. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And as well, vice versa and stuff. People, you know, know them as well, of course. But uh, seeing that we're working together is is a is a very um, interesting and special. Yeah. So hearing you talk, it seems like you never stop working. 
Yeah, my friends tell me, he goes, hey, when do you sleep? I said, I do sleep. You know, I sleep on planes. I sleep, uh, you know, as soon as I get that chance. That's right. Yeah. Um, how do you decide what to say no to? Well, you know, if I don't, if I'm not feeling it, you know, uh, yeah. you know, if I'm not feeling it. Right now, I'm doing. Uh, I think I'm about to do a, a remix for a artist. Uh, she's a DJ, Peggy Goo. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a record out, really nice record. And I think I was playing it on my radio shows, so her label saw that I was playing it, and they asked me to work on it, you know. And if I like it, I'm in. I do it. Felix the House Cat. I did. I just did his next, uh, his first single coming out now, mm-hmm. uh, uh, remix for him. And the weird thing is that I'm very uh, spontaneous. Like I don't have a schedule saying I'm gonna do Peggy Wu this week. I'm gonna do Felix the House. If I feel it. I said, yo, send me the parts. That same night, I'll be in the studio. I did that wow. with George Clinton when Is I did right? the Funkadelic yeah. record on, on my album, Ain't That Fucking Kind of Hard on You. You know, uh, may he rest in peace, my friend Saadi Ali, who is his nephew. You know, he reached out and said, Louis, my uncle did this album, you know, and I listened to the songs. I said, yo, number eight or whatever it was. I said, send me the parts, please. He mm. was like, and he knew it. He's like, I got to get it to him because when Louis, you know, when I, if, if I feel something, yeah. I'll do it right away. Sure. And, you know, I went in, I did what I did, and that was the record. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I've learned that, you know, whatever I feel at that moment, I got to do. You know what I'm saying? So with that, is there like a master plan where where you're heading, or is it just like... No, no, yeah, there's a master plan. Of course there's a master plan. I'm just okay. talking about if I feel something that one of yeah, my yeah, friends yeah. has that's no, interesting. It. But um, So what's the plan? Yeah, man. Right now, I'm working on a new album for EOL Sofrito, which is my band. I came out here to L.A. to do a show for... Uh, uh, Fusicology yep. and, and Asia, you know, who owns Fusicology. Uh, it's been 15 years that she's had her company and, you know, she's been marketing and promoting our music and all kinds of music, you know, from, you know, uh, hip hop to, to house, mm-hmm. to funk, soul, disco. She's done it all. And, uh, you know, I felt it was uh, a way to, you know, uh, give back and come here and do a beautiful show for for her and her friends and our friends yeah. you know so we came down and did the fourth theater and uh, it's actually before i started the album i'm supposed to do the album first and tour right so I'm, I'm working on the album now i'm about to go in uh i'm gonna finish this album for eo sofrito which is my live band and um my idea is uh that i want to travel to different cities and mm-hmm. work with musicians and friends and bring my rhythm section along with uh, some of their musicians. Oh, I love that. You know, so I already spoke to Carl Craig, to yeah. Moody Man, you know. Um, uh, I can't say all the names, though. I don't <laughs> want to say everybody. But I could, I could tell you them, though, for sure, right. because those are my boys. Sure. But, um, <clears throat> and they're down. But, um, you know, I also talked to Bad Bad Not Good. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of, like, reached out to, you know, all these different levels of great jazz musicians mm-hmm. that, that are out there doing that thing. Even to the veterans, I have some heavy veterans I'm going to pop in on this album I'm so excited about so um and West Coast too I want to come to LA yeah there's there's three here that I definitely want to work with nice I'm not gonna say we're gonna guess we're gonna guess who they are (laughs) but uh (laughs) definitely but uh you know I'm I'm really excited about this record it's uh uh also reaching out to the youth In, in London there's a new jazz movement you know I went to this place called Total Refreshment Center and Giles Peterson invited me to play on New Year's Day mm I was so inspired by this and he, he you know, he, there was a whole movement going on there. So imagine like the way it was when uh, you had um, Acid Jazz and mm-hmm. uh, Jamiroquai and uh, Brand New Heavies, all these groups were coming sure. from this, this movement happening in London. Yeah. There's a new movement now. I mean, you know, this is, 
you know, I heard this girl playing like John Coltrane. Like I was like blown away by the whole scene. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, that style she was playing, I'm saying. But, uh, you know, just that spirit they had, you know, really drove me. So I want to involve them in the album and Giles Peterson, of course, who is one of my, you know, my heroes. And, yeah. You know, he's always, you know, he's like a muse for me. We always talk music. I could have one conversation with him. And next thing you know, I'll be recording and getting these ideas of these things I want to do just from that conversation. So, Amazing. you know, uh, it's it's a it's a really interesting album. I'm excited about it, yeah. and I'm going to document it as well. Oh, cool! And hopefully, it'll be like a little documentary movie kind of thing. <clears throat> you know, um, I mean, that's the dream. If you're enjoying this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out one of my very first interviews was with Marcus Wyatt, another godfather of house music uh, Marcus if you don't know is really a pioneer of the deep house scene here in Los Angeles his club deep has been going on for decades and he's got records and stories and just great 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 uh, interview with Marcus Wyatt if you want to go back to that one so speaking of documenting I read somewhere that you record every one of your DJ sets? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Is People that didn't right? believe that. So yeah, I do. I mean, you know, I, I bring this little rolling, yeah. you know, digital recorder, you know it, and yeah. uh, it's kind of like that one, and yeah. um, to all my gigs, and that's a must. My tech knows he has to hook it up before I get on. How many sets do you have? You know, oh, goodness, I don't know, man. It's, you know, it's, that's a lot. <laughs> Thousands. It has to be, yeah. yeah. It has to be. Easy. And what do you what do you do with those? Well, that little recorder didn't come out so yeah, like yeah, of years ago. But before that, no, it was I mean, it was dats. Wow. Imagine we have dats, you know, yeah. of like ten hour sets in Tokyo or something. You know, yeah. what I mean? which is you know really cool. Sure. To have, you know. And do you ever go back to those? Yeah, sometimes you listen to something. You're like, yeah. oh wow, that was that date, and then I'll listen to it. You know, um, but I, I think it's 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 good to listen to what you do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It kind of straightens you out. You know. Maybe I should go this direction. I should do that. I should, uh, I like what I did with that record. Or, you know, uh, I could do, you know, uh, I could get new ideas. You know, you know I, met, I met a guy once who's like one of the top five classical violinists in the world. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. And he did a little performance, and then we were talking to him afterwards. And I asked him, you know, he's been doing this 40 years or something. And I said, you know, how, how much do you practice? And he said, oh, you know, usually three, four hours a day. Wow. And uh, first of all, I was just blown away by that, that like for all this time, right? And I said, so what are you practicing? Like, don't you know, don't you know it by now? You know, kind of thing. And he said, you know, a lot of it is, is clearing out the weeds. And to me, that was such a beautiful description. Uh-huh. And I get it, right? How like bad habits creep in or you get down one idea sort of takes you down the path and whatever so i get that that idea of going back and listening to what you've done and yeah i mean i think that um i don't i mean a lot of the stuff that i do anyway is spontaneous you know yeah. and uh yeah i bring a lot of music sure but uh i especially like listening to when i do those long journeys when you know you really kind of go in different areas i mean when you're doing the two-hour sets of course you have to you know you change your music it's not yeah. the same music all the time you're changing you're putting in new stuff and, you know, you, you're keeping the ones you love that are still banging or whatever or, or great records, uh, you know. But um, when you do the long sets, it's cool because you go musically in 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 areas that you can't do in two hours. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when you're doing those eight to ten hour sets. I mean, when you go to Japan, yeah, it's at least eight hours. Is that right? You know that, right? Still, wow. Yeah, they want they want that, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I love that. You start at eleven, amazing. you end like at eight, nine. I mean, it's you know, it's even more. Yeah, sometimes than eight hours. But um, wow. You know, uh, if you do open to close, if yeah. you have an opener, you come in at one maybe, sure. and and you play till like eight or nine. But um, Japan is one of the places where uh, I really enjoy. Uh, the journey sets mm-hmm. you know that I do like in New York mm-hmm. you know sometimes I'll do it some areas do request it like you have Paris and you know they, you know there's a club there that I play at uh, that they want it all night you mm-hmm. know but uh, you know when you're doing festivals it's different you know because you're on a sure. lineup you got yeah two hours hour and a half right you know depending on the you know what the, the, the festival and stuff Is but there... it's really hard to you know you can't you can't do the journey thing in there you just have to like make it exciting for them you know yeah, yeah have sure. a good time you know and you know in that time is there but, a favorite i know you do so many different things is there a favorite part of the job <clears throat> a favorite part of the job i love creating the music in the studio yeah you know um when you when you when you have that right groove that right you know those chords you know and and it's in that pocket and you get those chills and you mm-hmm. get that you know that feeling um, even some things that can give you a knot in your throat, you know, mm-hmm. when music does that to you, for me, it's really special, Sure. you know, but that can happen even in a performance. When, when I was in LA, uh, two days ago and we did the Ford theater, um, I saw people crying. Mm. People were crying. It was a, a specific record. It was records that touched them. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, cause I did something really special. You know, I, I, I did a couple of tributes, of course, you know, I wanted to, do a little my little tribute to uh, Aretha Franklin yeah. so we did Until You Come Back to Me and um, I did an Earth, Wind and Fire song I, uh, also a war song because mm-hmm. war is you know one of my favorite groups and they're from here in LA yeah. so we, we you know we, we love doing The Chase you know one of their records from a, yeah, I yeah. believe a movie soundtrack yeah. right yeah. and um, that's a big dance record at home for the dancers you know for the you know so so I mean, but 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 when we did the rest of the show, uh, they were, when we did the originals, "Children of the World" to yeah. me is a record that touches me. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah. you know we were rehearsing and I would get like a knot in my throat and tears in my eyes. You know, just songs would do that. You know, and then I saw the crowd and and it was really beautiful to see how it was affecting them. You know, mm-hmm. even like grown DJs. You know, <laughs> it's like one of them sent me a message says, "Yo, Louie, I had a tear." In my eye. I said, "You serious?" It's like, "Yeah, man," because That's you so know. Cool. I kind of surprised the crowd too because when we have our shows, um, our lead vocalists are um, Josh Milan and Anani. You know, um, Anani is my wife who's also a DJ, mm-hmm. and we do our residency in Ibiza, the Ritual at Heart, which yeah. is, uh, uh, you know, uh, but she's also a lead singer in in uh, EOL, uh, Sol Frito, and um, you know, um, when we were coming to LA, I said, you know what, I got to do something add a little surprise and I didn't tell anybody mm. and I brought Julia McKnight oh, cool. so I brought Julia McKnight over and nobody knew really and um, I did the songs live so imagine hearing you know these songs that were you know they were seminal hits and, and um, they touched a lot of people you had Finally mm. you had Diamond Life mm-hmm. and this new one called Still Here you know uh, that, that I uh co-produced with David Morales mm. and uh, Josh Milan wrote the lyrics too. That's coming out in February. I mean, those rec- that record is not even out and people were like 
touched by it because the lyrics are so powerful. I bet. You know, so um, it was really nice to see that, you know, and, and how people were affected. And it was so cool because at the end of the show, I just thought, you know, it was like a, it was that spontaneous thing again. I said, yo, what can I do? I'm in my head thinking. And I'm saying thank you to everybody, whatever. So, you know, we ended with this song, uh, The Clark Sisters, uh, you brought the sunshine. We do like this mm. little vamp thing to it that I, I, I added to the show because I wanted everybody to go home singing a song, singing a hook. That's so cool. So what I did was I said, you know what? I said, I started pulling up dancers. I said, oh, I want to see my dancers up here with me. Come on. I want you guys to join me. The whole stage was full wow. of everybody dancing and happy and it was beautiful. And yeah. we were singing that hook out. And we ended it with the crowd. I mean, it was just beautiful. And you have I mean, people still great. out there. You know, you know so. L.A., we have a reputation for not dancing. They were dancing. <laughs> they, and, you know, then, you know, I'll tell you right now, then, you know, you guys, you, you, you had, there was something special there because yeah. that whole stage was full of people dancing, smiling, feeling good. So cool. it, it was a wonderful way to end. And, and um, you know, for me, those are the best things when they happen at the moment, Yeah, you know. And I like to leave it that way, especially when I do live performances with the band, right. you know, because I'm conducting the band. So, you know, I switch things around. I even tell the players, I say, listen, it may not always be you soloing first. So don't think that you're going to be the first one soloing. I mm -hmm. might point at him. Mm -hmm. you know, so I do things like that. I kind of oh, cool. not tricking them, but I make it interesting yeah. and fun. And uh, I stretch songs or I may chop them or I may do some hits. You know what I mean? So. The, you know, there's really a great connection between the band and, and, and myself and the singers. That's huge. You know, really beautiful. You know, just you mentioned War, and I think, like, I think War is such a special band because here you had this white rock star who created this band that was primarily black. Out of, you know, he wasn't from L.A. And they played jazz, they played funk, right. soul. That's it. You know, they make a hit like Lowrider, which right. is so different from the rest it was mm -hmm. i thought it was just really special yeah. and and you know you you're talking about the way you blend genres and yeah. influences from it's exactly the from groups like war that's why i do that song to pay homage to them and you know yeah. they really inspired me a lot sure you know what i'm saying stevie wonder of course but yeah. you know and you know um when when uh when we put the group together i mean it's people from all over the world mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying south mm -hmm. america you know uh New York, uh, you know, it's like, a, you know, this 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 is blend, yeah. Cuba. This is a blend of uh, of of musicians that that come together, and um, those are my role models. Like watching, you know, listening to groups like War and then <clears throat> loving their music for so many yeah. years. Whether it was down tempo, up tempo, mid tempo, jazz, funk, soul, mm -hmm. you know, um, rock, you mm -hmm. know, I've loved their music. You know, mm -hmm. so um, they're a very big inspiration for me. You know. So, and what about uh, you? Mentioned working with your wife. Yes. Um, what's that like? Oh man, it's amazing. You know, it's um, it's funny because well, first of all, we've been together for a really long, really long time. We have an eighteen-year-old boy. Oh wow! So we've been together twenty-one years now. Yeah. And um, when we first started our relationship, she never told me that she could sing. Kidding. Like five you years through music. Five years into our relationship, she didn't tell me. I met her in, in, in a club I played at called yeah. the Sound Factory Bar. It was a party called the Underground Networks, and yeah, it was like sure. a tail end of, of that life of that, that night that we had for five or six years with uh, Don Welch and Barbara Tucker. So I met her there, and um, actually I met her through a few friends. 
the first time I met her, I, I went to go hear Mark Ronson DJ. Mm. That's when I remember. <laughs> Here in New York, when he's DJ in New York. And um, the promoter was a friend of mine. Yeah. And he says, yo, Lou, man, you know, I want you to meet these three girls. They're from, um, they're from Boston. I mean, Rhode Island. And they're out here. And Anane was one of them. And I remember then, uh, then they used to come to my parties and stuff. And, uh, and that, that's where we met. But, you know, five years into the relationship, she never said that she sang or anything. And then she says, you know, one day she just said, hey, Louie, you know that I, used to, I sang, you know, when I was younger and stuff. I was I had a little group and stuff and all that. I said, really? And he goes, man, we got we to, gotta, like, I want to hear what you could do. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course. So I called my friends. Uh, at that time, I was producing an album for Los Amigos Invisibles. And um, it was for David Byrne's label. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I called in Jose Luis, who's the guitar player. <clears throat> I said, Jose Luis, could you come to my house? I want you to... Uh, I said, Anani has uh, lyrics and melodies. I want, I want to hear what happens. You know, can you guys you know, come to the house and play? Mm -hmm. And just, you know, let's see what happens. Next thing you know, we, uh, I was in the early stages of Elements of Life, the first album, because we already had put out the first single in 99 so it was like 2002 or something like that and um i was working on this album with uh josh milan raul midong and now anane you know when we tried this song i said wow this is beautiful let's do it like bossa style and it became nos vida which was one of her mm. big records on the elements of life album the first yeah. album From there, it was like, oh. And then I noticed that she was very, like, a chameleon. You know what I mean? Like, if we wanted to do a dance record, like an underground record, oh, we want a spoken, part, a spoken word part or something like, you know, this type of a hook or whatever. She would just blend in and just do it. I mean, mm -hmm. it would just be amazing. So mm -hmm. so she started doing all kinds of records. And we she did Walking on Thin Ice because she loved the Yoko Ono and uh, John Lennon um, mm -hmm. production on. She loved that song. And uh, a friend of ours produced it. It was not even me. It was another producer who mm. produced it, and I did a remix on it. You know, but we signed it on the label, and uh, she ended up doing a whole album. And then, um, as you know, we kept. Uh, she was performing in the clubs and, and and around the world and stuff. And just one day, uh, one of our friends in New York who worked at uh, the Mercer Kitchen, the Mercer Mercer Hotel, mm -hmm. there was a club under there called a Submercer. Oh yeah, and. Um, uh, he said, uh, he said, Anani, why don't you come and spin at this club? She goes, well, I don't really spin, you know, and uh, he says, you know, you don't really have to spin here. It's just playing this records, you know, and whatever. So she told me, I said, you should really do it. I said, because you have a great collection. She always had a great, uh, her iTunes was a cool iTunes. Nice. I wish I had her iTunes, you know, yeah. she had, her selection was great. So she went in and started doing it. And then one day after she did the first time, she was just kind of playing records, and she came to me and says, Louie, you know, I really want to take this seriously. I really enjoyed it, what mm. I did, but I want to know about it. So she came downstairs, and she she just, she just she brought a little pad, and she said, just tell me what this does, that does. She was just asking me, what does this do, what does that do, that do. Boom. So uh, she next thing you know, she had a setup upstairs in our place, and I started hearing music, and I started hearing mixing. And I was mm. like, oh, and she was just getting in it, you know. And next thing you know, she started a residency there at Submercer. 
and it started blowing up. Actually, one night I remember Kanye West was there one night too. Oh yeah, he came. In, yeah, he was. He he came out to one of her nights. I, um, that was a long time ago. Um, it was about eight years ago, maybe. Okay. Because she's been DJing, I think, probably ten years now. Mm. So eight or nine years ago, and um, that was it. I noticed that she would be rocking the crowd and everything, and you know. And the the cool thing is that we didn't share any music. Mm. She's like, I don't want to play your music because they're not playing your music. It's not right. me. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like you know. So she's playing her own music, her That's own so thing. Cool. So, you know, she started finding her sound and what she loved. And, and she loved Afro music, too. Mm. So she wanted to start a label. And she started a label called Nulu. And, um, you know, she found a lot of, you know, the Afro house uh, and Afro uh, producers from uh, South Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, she went out there and played in South Africa. And uh, there's this group called Black Motion. Mm -hmm. Very talented uh, young group. of uh, It's a DJ and a percussionist. And they brought her the her the the first demos and stuff, and she signed a lot of these groups Amazing. from from Brazil, South Africa, from Mozambique, uh, you know, from Europe as well, you know, Amsterdam, you know, all these different places, and um, you know, now it's uh, her label's gonna make ten years next year. It's called oh, wow. Nulu, and it's Nulu uh, and Nulu Electronic. Oh, cool. And her Nulu Electronic is more stuff, a little more techie kind of techno, you know, mixed in with. Uh, you know some of the roots of, of of the sounds that she loves and and um you know i think that um you know having you know it's been 10 years now and she's uh, she's had artists like d jeff on there manu mm -hmm. who are a lot of great artists in the in the afro uh house world and all that so yeah. how do you guys navigate that kind of working together and and family and you know, it's, you know, it was difficult it, at first, you know, obviously, because somebody has to be home for our boy. Yeah. You know, she was there most of the time and I was right. working. But now, you know, it was a trade off. And sometimes if I would stay home, I would be the stay home dad, you know, you know, with my son and stuff, you know, yeah. which was cool. But it, it didn't happen a lot. But yeah. I did a few of those, sure. you know, but uh, but definitely it's a it's a it's a balance. It's yeah. a balance. And uh, luckily we have uh, a son who he's an old soul. You mm -hmm. know, what I mean, he's a young uh sweet really good person and uh he um he understands he's been around it what you know uh, he's obviously traveled with us to ibiza sure. and everywhere else and a lot of places and he sees what we do and he understands that you know that his mom is you know she has a career and stuff and and, and he gets it what music is he into he plays classical he's oh, yeah? been playing over 10 years he plays piano nice. and um he uh Believe it or not, he's majoring in mathematics. Oh, cool. He's very good in math. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. I was even like, whoa, mathematics, great. But I guess math and music, right? Sure. Um, you know, so um, he, you know, he, he, he comes with us. He's in Ibiza. He's watching it. Actually, the cool thing was because he just turned 18. So he was able to go to the clubs. Because oh, cool. in Europe, you can go to the clubs at 18, yeah. right? So I said, he, I said, you know what? Let me take him around. So it was cool. We were li we lived in Ibiza. We lived there in the summertime because we have our residency at mm -hmm. Heart. You know, he came to our party at Heart, of course. He's come a few times this mm -hmm. summer. And um, I said, let me take him to go see Black Coffee at, at High. So there's a club called High. Yeah. So we went to High to see uh, Black Coffee play. And he's watching all the people and everything going on. We took him to see Luciano at Ushuaia. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, well, I took him. And um, we were just hanging out, and it was cool to see him on the side, just bopping his head to the music, <laughs> and, you know, he was getting into it, you sure. know what I'm saying? I, I would do it on the sneak, because I didn't want him to, you know, you don't right. want your son to see you looking yeah, at him, you know, and, and then it's not cool. That's you right. know, so yeah, I had to kind of look to the side of my eye, and I see him going, 
You know, and I was like, wow, he's into it. You know, yeah. he's, he's feeling it. Yeah. And he would tell me, he's like, Louis, yeah, wow, you know. You know, Black Coffee was amazing. Oh my God, the way he was playing and everything. Yeah, like man. he was watching the way he was doing everything. And Louis, and he was like, Dad, he's like filtering it out, right? Like he's like, you know. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, we had a little setup over there and um, Anane's a, a personal manager and he, he runs her label, uh, Christian. I walked into the place and he was like teaching Nico, you know what I'm saying, what the mixer was. I said, oh, Nico's interested. I was, at least he's, he was just interested to see how it works, you sure. know. And, yeah. and and when we were going to the clubs, he was saying, oh, that he's filtering that out, right? Oh, okay, he's mixing in the other record. I hear it. Okay. And he would know. He, and he would know if somebody would play something and it was like, mm, I don't know, that didn't sound that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He would know if a mix wasn't good. But, yeah, you know, it was just fun to see, like, you know. I remember the times when I was so curious about it, you know what I'm saying? And um, to see him in that way and, and, and experiencing it, yeah. the, the, the nightlife and all that, uh, with me, that is. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you course. know what I mean? Uh, it was, was a cool thing because he got like that bird's eye view. We were sure. right there, like, you know, coffee's playing. I'm standing right here yeah. and my son is right here and he knows my son too good and my son knows his son. You know, we all, we all have kids now and they mm-hmm. know each other. Mm-hmm. You know, all these DJs were all friends, you yeah. know? And, and uh, Luciano, the same thing, to be in that and see it from there is a different thing than being out, yeah, out there, you know? So it was, it was a beautiful experience to, to just watch him, you know? That's so cool. I take my son to Coachella every year. Oh, He's nice. He's like nine. All right. But All right. I take him partly because I want him to be jaded by the time he's 16 and <laughs> all his friends want to go and get messed up. Yeah, and oh, no. be like, nah, I'm, I'm in the VIP well, you know, it's you know. crazy because these kids today, they know they know what's going on. I mean, my son knows, you know, yeah. it's not it's not yeah, like, you know, he sees it. And, um, you know, but I think it's about making the right choices and it's how you raise your kids. Absolutely. It's how you raise your kids for sure, man. For sure. You know, how do you. Um, there's there's like two themes that I've heard, like one is this very like improv, like letting things happen and being influenced in the other. And the other is. Um, just your attention to detail. You, mm-hmm. know, you build your own DJ booth. Mm-hmm. You know, you re- you record your sets and all that. So I'm just curious how you balance those two. Well, or like how do they how do they work? The, spon- the spontaneity comes from when I'm playing and I'm performing, or or when I'm doing what I do. Yeah. You know, um, well, you know, I'm playing music. You know what I mean? So, um, is one? I think it's when when. Other? When, when that is actually happening, whether I'm on stage with the band, and um, I'm ve- I'm I'm very I am, I pay a lot of attention to detail. Yeah. Like the band knows, they know I know every lick, every song, every part, and when I hear something wrong, they know you know right <laughs> away, and they're like, okay, well you know. Right. So um. You know, I think that uh, when I'm making records in the studio, the detail, mm-hmm. you know, very important. If you listen to the way I record my music, especially a lot of the live stuff and, and, and everything that I'm doing. And even when I'm mixing records, you know, uh, you know, how I want that keyboard, where I want it to sit, how I want it to sound. Yeah. You know, um, my main thing when I'm in the studio is the recording of it. And mm-hmm. I have an engineer who's the same as me. We're very, you know, we pay a lot of attention to detail and, and uh, we make sure it's recorded properly or the way we hear it, mm-hmm. I would say. And, and um, and then from there, it already sounds good. Right. And then we're just enhancing or EQing a little or adding effects to it. But a lot of our music, when you hear it, when we put it up, it sounds that w- very close to when we recorded it. 
So, you know? so why is that important? We know with technology, you could download some loops, make a beat, put it up on SoundCloud tonight, like that, and that's what some kids do, right? Right. So why, uh, you know? Well, put it this way: I'm the guy who creates those loops <laughs> that these kids are gonna be buying. That's you right. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so for us, it's a. Uh, that's what gives us our lane. Yeah. That's what gives us our sound. Yeah. That we pay attention to that detail and we create those parts and it has a very authentic feeling to it sure you know? yeah Absolutely. so I think that's the difference uh, yeah right now it's at a point where uh, uh, a lot of these companies are approaching us to, to you know to have our you know less our, our sounds mm-hmm. our loops our grooves mm-hmm. you know um, but yeah it makes it a lot easier for, for the young people today to to go in and make a record you know um but I think you got to capture that feeling, you know, it's, it's a, and, and you can do it. If you do it that way, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, the, the great thing about this profession and what we all do is that you can do things the way you want to do them. Mm-hmm. There's no rules. If I want to make a record on a computer with just a little keyboard and, and, and some plugins and, and whatever, I could do it that way. If I want to do it with a full band and I want to record them, that, that's what I choose. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can hear the difference. Sure. You can definitely hear the difference yeah. in the feeling and in the, you know, you know, but, but you can also capture that feeling, you know, even with a, a few pieces, mm-hmm. you know, I, I uh, encourage a lot of young people out there to, to learn an instrument, still learn an instrument, even though you're working on a computer, right. you know, whether it's a piano or a guitar, you should learn an instrument, you know, um, you got, you, you got to, um, it's going to help you in the future. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a producer, if you, you know, um, learning how to read, I mean, I think people should still learn how to read. I mean, you know, I don't read well and, um, you know, I watch my son, you know, he reads and I'm so proud of him for that. You know what I mean? For me, it's, it's time. Time is a factor for me, you know, and you have to put in the time. I understand that, you know, uh, but, um, I definitely know when something's not right. I definitely mm-hmm. know when, when a singer is not singing on key or it's flat or it's sharp, you know, I've gotten my ear, but I did play piano when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I, I took classical for five years and uh, I played on a lot of the early Masters at Work stuff. I play on a lot of uh, the keyboards on a lot of the, the, the club stuff that I do, mm-hmm. you know, but when it starts getting orchestrated and big, I, I'm spoiled with all these right. incredible musicians that I have yeah. with me. So, um, you know, they're definitely in the studio, yeah. you know, uh, with me, but more on a um, one-on-one basis. Sometimes I'll bring them together, maybe three or four of them, and do something. If I'm doing, like, let's say, the Io Sofrito album, but for for dance stuff, now, nah, you know, it's it's either I play a lot of bass lines, I play a lot of the grooves and stuff, or I have my musicians, Axel Tosca and, or Josh Milan, who I'll call in, and mm-hmm. they're amazing players, you know, and they can take it to that next level. That's cool. You know? Okay, I have a little lightning round before I uh, let you get out of here. A lightning round? Yeah, just a few quick questions I'd oh, like yeah. to end with. Um, <clears throat> oh, that's not, one second. Well, I know you travel all over the world. What's your favorite city to travel to? Wow, my favorite city. New York City, you know, <laughs> uh, to travel to. I love Tokyo. Yeah. 
Tokyo, man. It's uh, I've been going there for many years, and I never not have a good time. Mm-hmm. I've always had a great time in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Another city, there's, there's three cities I love, okay? Naples, I love Naples, and I love Johannesburg. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, there's I just... I know, there's great music coming out of there. Great music, there's a lot of love, good food, mm. uh, you know... Um, it's just every time I go out there, it's just a new experience and 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 an unforgettable one too. Yeah. Who's your favorite DJ? Wow, my favorite DJ, alive or or or, or not alive? It's up to you. <laughs> man, let's um, do one of each. Living and past. It's so hard, man. Um, past, I would say. I gotta name you four, right? Okay. Larry Levan, Frankie Knuckles, yeah. uh, David Mancuso, mm-hmm. right? Um, and one more. Okay, I named you three. That's alive. Great. Man, alive, I can't. They're gonna be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, who? Okay. I just like I just like to me when I you know because it's happened at different times, you know when a DJ, you know it takes you to that place yeah. you know and and um, okay well let's do it this way then, who's the last person that did that for you? The last person that I heard that had done that for me. I would say, uh, oh, okay. I was in Art Basel, and I went to this small club. It's called Edition mm. in Miami. This was last year. I actually went with uh, Joseph Capriati, and we were hanging out. And he's like, Louis, let's go hear, you know, Jamie Jones. Mm. We went out to hear him, and he played these underground grooves. They were so cool, and they sounded so good. We were just bouncing. I was like, wow. Nice. You know what I'm saying? I had a great time with him. I had a great time um, hearing Coffee, mm-hmm. hearing the Martinez Brothers, hearing Luciano. Um, all different types of styles, you know what I'm saying? Um, back at home, I listen to Timmy Regisford mm-hmm. when he plays. If I can get a chance to hear him, if I get a chance to hear Joe Clozell, I'll go hear him. You know, Danny Cribbit. Like, you know, those are the veterans, man. You yeah. go hear them and you're going to have a good time. You know, you're going to... You know, you know, you're gonna feel good. Um, if I want to get, I mean, I'm a technical guy as well as sure. a feeling guy. So, you know, uh, I'm very finicky when it comes to technical stuff. So I don't yeah. want to go there. But on the feeling tip, yeah. you know, hearing a lot of these guys are are, are really uh, um, wonderful. Man, I've had great times. So. And yes. some of them are super technical. Yes. Sure. Yes. Yes. What's yes. the last great book you read? Um, last great book. It was a Quincy Jones book, actually. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was a Quincy Jones book. But, um, you see, you see the documentary. Yes. Ah, oh, so good. I saw it three times already. Yeah. Love it. I'm a I'm a huge Quincy fan. Me too. You know, I love Quincy. Oh, His son's been yeah. on the show. He's old. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I watched it with my wife, and she was like, I mean, she had no idea that he had made that many records. You know, a lot of people, you know, because, uh, you know, you have a a younger generation now and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, which is wonderful why that was made, because you really get to see how hard he worked over the years and the talent that he has. You know, it's like when you see that from way back till now, imagine that. 
yeah. imagine that. I mean, to me, there's he's 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 the top. No doubt. No, love Quincy. What you know? movie have you seen the most in your life? What movie have I seen the most that I could watch over and over again? Yeah. A lot of Martin Scorsese movies. Uh-huh. You know, I could see a lot of them over and over again. For I sure. have, obviously. You know, the what is it, Casino, and uh-huh. you watch those. Uh, man, let me think of something that I watched over and over. Definitely, definitely the, the uh, Scorsese movies. Yeah, it's a lot of the great Tarantino. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, man. Yeah, those are great movies. I like horror flicks too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like horror flicks. Like which one? What's the last one I saw? Was it Hereditary? Something like that. Oh, okay. That was okay. I saw A Quiet Place. I mean, you I know, get, I watched a couple I of those. I get nightmares. I heard Halloween was pretty good, believe it or not. Yeah, Like yeah, the yeah. new one. Yeah. They're talking real good yeah, about I that. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to have to go check that Jamie out. Jamie Lee. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's like uh, the classic Scarface. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't watch that? No you know? For sure. Uh, over and over again, I mean. Yeah. You could even recite lines yeah, in, the, in, the, in the movie, right? Absolutely. Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. One decision that changed my life forever. I think when, when, okay, I had one of my young, this was like 12, 13 years old, my best, uh, he was my good friend. We went to his house and I saw two turntables and a mixer. It was a GLI 9000 mm-hmm. and two techniques and a little crate of break beats. Mm. And when I started, you know, he said, I said, can we, can we listen on that? You know, can we, you know, and when we were listening to it, I started hearing the beats that I heard in the, in the block parties mm-hmm. and in the, in down, when I used to go down the block and uh, to the Bronx River projects and, and hear Jazzy J, Red mm-hmm. Alert and Africa Bambata playing the jams and, um, when I played those records, I tried to do what they did. I was trying to make the breaks longer, mm-hmm. and uh, but I was also mixing them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think right there, that that really, yeah, I'm that sure. changed everything for me, maybe because I could not get away from that anymore. Those turntables and that mixer and records, I could not get away from it. I started buying records. Yeah. I started wanting to be around it. That's where I met my other neighbor who was the uh, mobile DJ mm-hmm. with, with the disco selection, uh, mm-hmm. collection. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, met other friends who had equipment, you know, and, and, and I think they, you know, they kind of realize, you know, when, when you have a friend who's very ambitious and wants to do something, you know, you have good friends around you, they want to help you. I have friends who loaned me this huge Sirwin Vega speaker that I used to use, two of them on top yeah, of each cool. other. Yeah. They sounded amazing. And, yeah. um, and that's when I borrowed the records and had the turntables and the mixer. I mean, so I think going to that friend's house and seeing uh, his older brother's equipment and listening on there and tr- and and trying to do it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when I was watching other people, uh, other um, you know, all these uh, great DJs do yeah. out in the in my neighborhood nice. in the Bronx, yeah. that that changed my life. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, complete this sentence for yourself. Oh, I don't have talent. I have blank. Uh, passion. Mm. So if I worked for you, maybe I worked for Vega Records, what's something I would hear you say over and over? What's something? Okay. <laughs> mm. Man, my staff, they, they hear that, they could answer that. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I bet. 
you know um i would i would i would say to them um be true to yourself mm. that's big yeah that's big i think people need to hear that from the leader <laughs> um who would you be most excited to learn appreciates your work if who who would i be excited about yeah quincy jones mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and he's For like sure. yo i like that record you made man yeah. i mean i bet he would you know? <laughs> Yeah, somebody, I mean, you know, Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Nice. And he's one that I, I never had a chance to work with that I wish I would have, you know. Sure. I could be able to work yeah, with yeah. You know, Stevie Wonder for sure. Thank you for doing this, man. This is an incredible story. You're welcome, man. This is great. This is a wonderful show, man. I like, love your questions. You did your homework and <laughs> you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's All right, fun. man. It's fun. Come back anytime. Thank and you. Uh, so how does everybody find you? You can find me, uh, man, Facebook, uh, Little Louis Vega official fan page. I'm on Twitter, Louis Vega NYC. Cool. I am on uh, Instagram, Louis Vega. Pretty nice. easy. And, and at a club near you around the world. For sure. We'll be watching for all the new projects and, and yeah. uh, new, new album. parties. New album coming in the spring. And right now I have an album out called NYC Disco. Yeah. It's on Nervous Records. And it's my kind of tribute and homage to disco. With so. B.B. Winans, Luther Vandross, uh, oh goodness, uh, uh, Josh Milan, Anane, Cindy Mizell, uh, Sharon Brand, who was an Atlantic star. I mean, I just amazing brought a lot of friends together. Yeah. Also, my last album, Louis Vega, starring 28, which was nominated for a Grammy. I'm really proud of that, that we were able to bring underground house music to the Grammy level. For sure. You know, so um, Lolita Holloway as well, that was nominated just this past year. And... Uh, you know, for me, it's uh, important to um, for this music to go out, you know, uh, in, its, in its authenticity, you mm. know what I'm saying? And I feel that I'm one of the guys, out of many, who make the music with that authenticity in it. And um, I'm really happy that it got recognized. So uh, for me now, um, I mean, I did, the, I did a, a whole album uh, on with the house feeling to it, you know? big house album with the the Funkadelic and the Funkadelic Project and uh, Monique Bingham and I mean you name it Jocelyn Brown um, D.B. Winans Karen Wheeler and now um, it's disco and then we're going into jazz amazing that's that's the little amazing that's that's the plan (laughs) well we appreciate you for everything you do thank you thank you very much yo that was Louis Vega on Rebel Radio I hope you enjoyed it Make sure you leave us some comments. A review would be nice on iTunes. Uh, hit us on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like. It's at Rebel Radio Net. You can also watch videos from a lot of our episodes on YouTube at Rebel Radio Net. And most importantly, come back next year for more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>